of fatherhood. Aside from your son being diagnosed with autism, which is a, a big thing, what other surprises have you encountered in fatherhood? I mean, I can see why this one would take precedence. <laughs> no, it is. It's tough. Like, I don't think there's many like surprises in parenthood for me. Um, mm. I was like expecting a lot of the challenges. I was expecting it to be expensive. You know, we just mm. spent another sixty bucks on diapers today, and we go through about forty bucks worth of formula every eight days. You know, so it's like mm. I knew it was going to be expensive. I knew I wasn't going to be able to sleep. I guess I'm a little surprised with how little sleep was like I can function off of but um I think like being like an <laughs> autism dad I think one of the biggest surprises is just like how little is like known about it um mm. just like it it really is so many unknowns like there's thousands of genetic conditions that are markers for autism but there's so many other things that can cause autism that they don't really even understand and there's so many mm. um like challenges especially with like the nonverbal. for me like i don't know mm. if you saw it but it was a valedictorian and she was like a non she's nonverbal yeah. autistic and she typed a speech because she was fortunate enough to be taught how to type and she was just saying like i feel trapped inside my body and i really do feel like you have people with autism and this is just my interpretation okay and like i because i can't speak for autistic adults like they have their own voice but mm -mm. um I feel like it's kind of being like in some ways being stuck in a dream where you're just trying to scream for help, but you can't. Absolutely. So while like, I don't look for like a cure in the future for autism, like, that's not necessary. I think the autistic mind is a gift. I hope they mm -hmm. find solutions to open people up with autism where someone who's like level three autistic and has so many daily struggles and just really is just checked into themselves maybe they they will be able to find a way for them to communicate better or be more slightly more independent or just more expressive um so that's what i you know truly hope for let's let's dive into that because i feel the same way like uh my cousin is mom to an autistic child and we she and i have discussed certain things in that vein um again i do a little bit of volunteer work for an organization here in florida and you know, there's a reason we say neurodiverse and not handicapped or disabled these days, you know, like you're neurodiverse, like we all have a thing, right? You know, whether it's neurodiverse, whether it's like, you, we're humans, so, so we're all afflicted by something and afflicted is not the right word. So forgive me. anxiety, depression, OCD. Yeah. We all have something that, you know, um, that we carry, whatever, whatever that may be. And I don't see a neurodiverse individual as I let for all intents and purposes, I'll say a crutch, like, oh, that's a bad thing. I th see it as a way to view the world differently. You know, just like I would say somebody who's in a wheelchair, who's physically diverse is a way to view the world in a unique fashion. So like, let's talk about your views on, on that. Like, do you have an opinion? Yeah. On... I mean, if someone were to ask me like what the definition of autism is, like what I see it would just like really be like the brain just interprets the world differently. 
And with that, it creates a broad range of challenges um, and personality traits. Mm -hmm. And who doesn't have a personality trait or a differing opinion or a different way to look at something? Well, you know what I mean? Are, are great. I mean, like, honestly, like some things that we see as parents of a, of a kid on the spectrum, like we're not really too worried about our kid, like in high school, going out drinking or drinking and driving or doing drugs because they're going to be like, no, yeah. like I'm not old enough to drink. I'm not going to drink. Like they're very um, black and white. And like, even like with my son mm. being three, he won't cry to get his way. He won't cry to, um, you know, just, I don't know, like get one over. Manipulate the situation. Exactly. Manipulate somewhere I'm looking for. He will cry because he hurt himself. Like if he falls and is actually crying, like I know he hurt himself, but I've seen him take tumbles and everything. Like he won't, he'll just get up and run. And like, it's one thing people on the spectrum, a lot of times you'll hear that they don't have a sense of humor because they have a hard time gauging emotion. Like with my son, he doesn't mm. know when I'm angry at him or happy with him. He thinks like when, I'm changing him and he's kicking and he actually like hits me and it hurts. And I'm telling him, no, like he thinks it's like a joke, you know, because he can't read that he upset me or that he hurt me. Mm. It can be, that can be tough. But um, like, so you have that where like reading emotion, um, reading sarcasm, like it's, um, I was talking to someone about autism who like his kid's autistic, but he didn't, he was like naming everything. He was just defining autism to the T. He was like, if you see, the definition of literal in the dictionary, like it's a picture of my son and he's just like so literal. And that's like, but he was telling me other things that we saw with our son. Like he wouldn't play with matchbox cars. He would line them up bumper to bumper, or he would stack his, his um, balls. And like, that's that visual sensory input. It's like mm -hmm. to him, it's just visually pleasing when he sees like everything yeah, in, like, organized. A nice organized straight line, yeah. like a big stack. Um, totally. It's so fascinating how their brains work though. You know, like it, it, I, I think it's like such an incredible thing. And, and I like what you said that like, it's not a superpower, you know, your son doesn't want to be someone's hero that, and this is coming from, um, someone I, I volunteer with the, the, the leader of the nonprofit, the CEO, her son has down syndrome and she's like, he's a 13 year old boy. He's he wants to be a 13 year old boy. Like everybody else wants to be a 13 year old kid, you know, like yeah, guess what? He's, he's not happy. here to be your poster child. you know. <laughs> and I think that's so fair and such an honest thing to say, but that's also just highlight how they don't need to change. Like you said, there doesn't need to be a cure for autism. There doesn't need to be a cure for down syndrome. These kids wouldn't be who they are if they didn't have that and we're going to use air quotes here, diagnosis, because these things have been around for centuries before we labeled them and people have got along fine. Now we just know what they are. So why can't we just embrace it instead of making a thing about it? Mm -hmm. You know what I, I mean? I mean, from like, a medical standpoint, like it's a disorder, but it's like, it's not a learning disability. It's autism is not right. bad behavior. And again, it's like, it's not a superpower either. It's like some people will just have like, just daily struggles and it doesn't define mm -hmm. him. It doesn't, it isn't like who he is, but it definitely makes up his personality and makes, makes up yes. who I'm in love with. And just like your friend's son who has like down syndrome, it's like, I'm sure their parents have struggles and it can be emotional. And it's like, you know, it's emotional from us. So I'm just speaking from my experience, but 
Mm-hmm. And I look and like my kid's like happy. You know, he's happy every day. He's having a good day. Maybe he had a little meltdown. Mainly the sound right now. Like once we get past that and once we can really click on that receptive communication, which I think between age three and four, he's just going to blossom. Um, I think he's just going to be this like amazing little kid. And a lot of times, like when we're at the park, like people don't even know he's autistic or anything. They just think he's quiet. Mm-hmm. Like I've heard so many people, oh, he's so polite, you know, because he's not barreling through their kids and pushing to get like past them on the slide he's like kind of waiting for them to move and he's just like the sweetest little kid and i just like look at him and i'm like he's happy and it's like i walk in his room in the morning he might not be staring right at me saying good morning daddy you know but he might be like kind of looking off to the left saying cat cat but then he hands me his little cat he's obsessed with cats but he'll hand me his like stuffed animal cat and he's happy you know and then he wants up up and i'll pick him up and like that's just like how how we communicate and that's just like how our life kind of is and again like i can look back and see that and like and i could feel sorry for myself or i could just be like really fortunate to have such an like amazing kid and like that's where we're at like i'm i really do feel fortunate to have such an amazing kid and like he's just like pure love i know probably so many people say that about their kids right but i mean it's, mm-hmm. it's how i feel well he's shown you that so I think that's telling you, if you feel that way, it's because he's shown you that. So, oh yeah. And he might know. not be able to express it. Like he can, he does repeat, like, I love you so much. Like he'll repeat it. Does he mean it or not? Like probably not like, but I mean, I know he means it, but I don't think he understands what it means. But, um, the other night I went to go, Let's be real. yeah, I, I went to grab his cup out of his bed. Like I always do. And I accidentally woke him up just a couple weeks ago, like a week or two ago. So he's all upset. He's just real upset, crying because he's awake. He wants to be asleep and he's really half out of it to begin Mm. with. And, you know, what he's doing, he's like, mommy, mommy, mommy. He's like pointing to his door. He wants to go see his mommy. So it's like he definitely comes to us and finds comfort in us. And like we we know he he loves us and we just he expresses that differently. And we just we communicate differently, but we all understand each other. He's very with it too. Like he pulled the nightlight out of the wall in the hallway this morning and like took it apart. Henry picked that up. Like he grabs it, picks it up, hands it to me. Like it's it's so interesting. It's it's like to me it's still like a mystery. Because like he just gets so much. Like, go give sissy kiss, he'll go give his sister a kiss on the head. You know, it's crazy. He'll, mm, he'll drag his so chair sweet. over to the island to make a PBJ because he's telling us he's hungry, you know, but he can't like answer questions like are you tired? Did you have a good day? Like stuff like that. It's like right now struggle, but we're, we're working with it. Um, Sounds like a beautiful little struggle though. You know, like, so here's a good, here's a good thing. Like what would you want other parents who don't have neurodiverse kids? Yeah, that's such. What would you want them question. to understand? So, what would, what would you, someone like me, what would you like? What would you want me to understand about your reality? So, my whole thing, like, if I could coin one phrase, it would just be like encourage inclusion. Just like, please mm. encourage your kids to be inclusive. And so, like, let me kind of break down what the word autism is. So, like, in its realest form, like the word "aut" comes from the Greek word "autos," which means self. And "ism" is mm-hmm. like the state of being. So, autism means like this. In its truest form, the state of being oneself, but the word autism Mm. came from a psychiatrist in the early 1900s, and he used it to describe what he saw as withdrawing into oneself's own world. And, like, that's kind of goes on what I was saying with, like, the nonverbal. It's like 
it's really lonely. I think I think autism is is very lonely. I think that in some ways they're trapped inside their their own self, and because of that, I mean, it's like maybe anybody knows, or I would assume that like people understand that autism has many social challenges, and because of that, like. I know my mm-hmm. son's going to struggle to have friends. He'd rather play with himself than play with other people. Sometimes he'd rather just be alone. And that that is really hard to see as a parent because at the same time, like, he, he wants friends. He wants to have fun. He's actually very good with, like, task, yeah. task-based um, play. Like, let's do a puzzle. Like, we'll do a puzzle together with someone, but he's not going to just randomly pay with, play with toys he was with my my nephew, my sister's kid, and they were like taking fish out of the water table and putting it in the net. And he loved that because he could count. He was doing something. It was like very test based. And like they just like he plays differently. He's just a little different. And and I just I would hope that that parents of um, just really anyone would just like really encourage inclusion and challenge your kids because I know for mm-hmm. me I had great parents. If you went to my parents behind my back and said like does your kid include everybody? And they're like, yes, he does. You know, they'd be like, yes, he does. He's so inclusive. He accepts everyone. Like, yeah, I did. Like, I didn't judge people, but I didn't go out of my way because I was never challenged to go be friends with that person who's sitting mm-hmm. at the at the lunch table by themselves or the person that everyone's making fun of because they have a wild mm-hmm. obsession with Star Wars and that's all that they talk about or all they want to do is draw dinosaurs and tell you all about dinosaurs or just maybe even the kid who's nonverbal and like quote unquote like the weird kid like it broke my heart like I was with um I was with someone who had kids and we were at a park and um I guess he was about six or seven at the time and he was like you know great kid with great parents but he was like he's weird. You know, this kid was like talking to me. He was like, obviously autistic because all he wanted to show, he's on a seesaw. So he just wants someone to play seesaw with him. So I'm playing with him and he's like showing me a shirt. He's like, you see what's on my shirt. You know, it's like what, like a penguin or something or whatever. It was a little logo. You know, Mm -hmm. he's like talking about what he's interested in and like, but to someone his age, like his peers, like he's weird. And like, if it wasn't such a, like so politically incorrect, like for lack of better words, just like, tell your kids to like embrace the weird kid, like encourage inclusion, Mm -hmm. challenge your kids. If you can, if you can just like, instead of saying like, how was your day or what did you learn? You say, did you, did you meet anybody new? Like, why not? Is there someone that looks like they could use a friend? Because like, if my son could just have like one or two people going through school with him, that could understand like my wife and I do that he needs a little bit of time away or he needs some quiet or just he needs someone to help himself regulate. Like that just makes the world of a, di- of a difference. And, you know, like I hope in some ways, like my daughter is neurotypical so she can be that for him. But if she's autistic, that's okay too. And she'll still be there for him. Yeah. But again, like it kind of comes down to worrying about the future and worrying about his independence. Like he doesn't need a lot of friends. He just needs a couple really good ones. So like I really challenge like mm-hmm. anybody who's listening just to push your kids to make friends with the weird kid. Because I can definitely say I would have done things a lot differently. And they're like through middle school, high school and college. Like I think we all can name one or two people who like, damn, like, he was autistic and 
damn, I wish I stood up for him and I wish I wasn't silent. And it just like, it, it breaks my heart. I think too, though, it was so different when we were like in elementary and middle school, like in the last, I will say 20, 20 years since we kind of like were in high school and college. Like I remember going to elementary school and, you know, the special education students like rode a, a different, literally rode the short bus, you know, and you could say that and, but it was a fact, like, it's not like a demeaning thing. Like they literally rode a separate bus and it was shorter than the regular There's less people bus. in the schools uh, providing transportation. So they throw them on the, the short bus and now that's like a dig. And, and they, yeah, and that, and it was segregated. So if you were in a, if you, even if you were like, neurotypical but physically diverse like you rode the short bus you know like you were separate even if you had this if, even if you had the same mental capabilities as like a quote-unquote normal kid because i don't even know what normal is so i'm going to put that in quotes there you 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 rode a different bus and you went to a different part of the school and you never were integrated and that's a problem while i while i understand that it's difficult for teachers to have all these different layers of abilities. I get that. I also understand that there are some students who should at least be included in certain classroom activities or subjects because it's their specialty. So funny enough, um, not, it's not funny, but there, I, I interviewed this woman for a story and her daughter was, um, I forget exactly what she has, but anyway, she looks physically typical. She looks there. There's no telling signs, but she's mentally behind and eventually she'll have like lesions that grow and her, her skull will kind of like impede her brain essentially is like what happens. And, um, and I've got, I can't remember what this is called, but, um, the point is she's neurodiverse and doesn't have the same capacity as a neurotypical person. And, but she also has like brilliance. So like, she's really good with like art and science. So you could put her in any science class, you could put her in any art class and she's going to excel. Like she's like a Van Gogh. She's like, you know, a gal, what's that? Galileo gal, you She's like, like she could she do all the things that are hard. She's like 12, but she has no social, like she doesn't understand social situations and other things like communicative. So like English math, she just breaks down. Like she's, her brain is really good in certain capacities, really bad in others. And that's just how she's going to be for the rest of her life. And eventually her exterior will match where her brain capacity is. And I, I got to look it up because it's in a story somewhere, but anyway, and she was telling me like this girl's experience in school and what she goes through and how she's manipulated by her peers and how she had to change schools because because of this manipulation, like some kid, like in aftercare, like talked her into taking her clothes off kind of thing. Like that's like, she doesn't understand that that's not acceptable. And these boys took advantage of her. Um, and luckily a teacher walked in. Um, and 
however, so when she goes to a new school who kind of understands her disability and how the, how her brain works, uh, she started thriving. She Beautiful. was excelling in, you know, all subjects, but she was only like mainstreamed for the ones in which she was like really exceptional at. So she had that, you know, peer camaraderie and she had found friends in these classrooms because she could relate to them. But in the subject subjects where she struggled and like wasn't there developmentally, she was in a different classroom with people who were more like, I guess her level, I guess her ability level. And, you know, but it was a beautiful combination, you know, mind you, this was a private school. So her parents were paying like 25 grand a year to send her there, you know, that kind of crap. But it was one of those things where you're like, wow. And then I don't know about Pennsylvania or Maryland, but in Florida, I've read and have heard horror stories about, you know, kids who are differently abled and they have been restrained and that causes PTSD and a whole other slew of things that like a neurotypical parent or a physically typical parent doesn't have to worry about. I don't worry about my my son being tied down because he's overloaded and no one knows how to communicate with him or put him in a safe space like your tent, you know? And, and those are the things I think we need to highlight. Like we all have emotions. Some of us can regulate them. I think some adults could use some help in regulating their emotions. Right. But now we're expecting our kids and our neuro diverse kids to assimilate to a neurotypical culture and we're not preparing our teachers for it. We're not preparing like our students for it. We're not preparing staff for it. We're not even educating ourselves as parents. And I get it. Like we have a lot going on, but I also feel like a little bit of kindness goes a long way. So if you can just, that was a really long winded I like that. Are are there a lot of like down your way, like a lot of signs of be kind? I see that in PA all the time. It's like people having their their on shirts, people having their yards, like signs that say like be kind. Like that that is big up here. Um, I don't know. I see that, but I that's always been a big thing for me. Like I have a shirt that says raise kind humans. And that's kind of like my MO, like, you know, what's that motto? Be the change you want to see in the world, blah, blah. Like you got to raise it too. You know, um, I, I think it's really important to practice what we preach with our kids. And I think it's really important to, you know, I ask Declan every day, what do you choose to be today? how are you going to emulate who you are? Right. Most of the time he says kind or helpful. Other times he'll say something like, you know, happy or whatever, but usually it's kind. And when it is kind of like a mantra, you know, like when you get off task, because here's the thing, regardless of who he is and regardless of who he meets, he has a choice to be something. So if you ever get off kilter, you know, it, and let me tell you what, it's worked for me because there's definitely days where I'm like, and I'm like, no, I said I would have patience. I said I would have patience. I said I would have patience, you know? Um, 
my, my whole reason for doing that is like, he's going to meet people who are going to try to pigeonhole him, who are going to demean him, who are going to bully him, who, ha whoever he is, you know, just kind of referring back to the earlier conversation. And he has to choose how he responds and the kind of person he wants to be. So my whole thing, and you can like see my book in the background, like my whole thing is how do you want to be? Who are you going to be to the kids who are different in a wheelchair, who look different, who are ethnically diverse, who are neurodiverse? Like, remember, if you're wearing a dress and you're technically a boy who identifies differently, you want to be accepted. So you better, and I don't mean to sound not like, like authoritatively, but like, just remember that everybody wants to be accepted. So are you doing your part? It's kind of like my motto as a parent. Such a good motto. You know, like... That was a long-winded. I need to pick up some of your book. I, I was like, I was keeping it on Amazon. It's like the, your book's definitely a little like a little too much for Henry right now because it's like very. It's definitely not a kids' picture book, but I think I need to pick no, it up for my not. nieces and nephews who are you know elementary school age. I think it's a really good book. I'm gonna order a few copies. But like it's it's good for emotional intelligence. Honestly, like it's about like ten year olds who have to like mind over matter and i think that's a good lesson for any kid love that we'll keep that up um but yeah with the schools <laughs> like trying. how you were saying like i mean everything we're doing now with all the early, different early intervention pro uh, you know tr specialists he sees mm -hmm. and everything else he's in it's like we're just trying to set him up to, to mainstream through school and like that is like our end goal um now that he's three he transitions from infants and toddlers program which was like age one to three. And now he's into like three, three plus, which is like a more of like a structured learning classroom setting that he's going to start doing in August is twice a week, but reading through like their evaluation was like 50 pages. I read every single page and it was like one thing I've recommended. It was like, do things with your kid mm -hmm. with, um, just, um, you know, neurotypical kids because like they don't do that. And like, that kind of worried me when I read that. I'm like, so like, you aren't going to, is it just this like pre pre K kind of thing he's in right now with the early intervention? Cause I get it. It's only like six hours a week mm -hmm. or is it like, what's that going to look like when he's in actual pre K and actual kindergarten? Like, is he going to be able to be integrated with like the general population and mainstream him with like, he's excellent at art. Like, my wife's an artist. He loves art. And like, is he going to be doing art with like, just all the special education kids because that's where he's stuck or can he go try to like learn social skills and like that's what we're hoping for mm -hmm. and I, it does concern me that like you like where we moved i told you we moved recently like we picked right like two, we had two towns that we would live in because of the school system and like we are in a great school system mm. right now but i still just like worry it's like will they be able to integrate him with you know uh, neurotypical kids because there is again that's like a good no question to, to ask now you got they got to find that out now like i mean i just feel like the schools it's maybe so aren't difficult. doing like enough and like you said like i don't i don't feel like maybe parents in the school are doing enough to like have people be more accepting of kids with differences i think it's so this is such a um god we could spend a whole podcast just talking about this like it's so hard because teachers are so overwhelmed and they don't have the training and the training they get isn't sufficient 
it's just not like I have a few friends who are teachers. One of my friends is a teacher in Dallas, like, and she's like, she's taking an office job because it's easier and it's less paperwork and it's more money. And it's sad because she's a great teacher and no, don't get me wrong. What she's doing is great for her career. She's a reading specialist, blah, blah. Like it's awesome, but it's equal equally. It's like, there's not enough resources. There's two things I would pay more taxes for. It's our education system, hundred percent and our veterans. 100%. Like you can tax me. You can tax me 50% if our kid, if we're, if our teachers are going to have training, if our veterans are going to be looked after, if they're going to have mental health care, if our teachers are going to have access to actual training that will make them better at their job and dealing with all the spectrum of kids that they have to, or what we're throwing at them or so that we don't have to spend $800 on school supplies. Tax me. Great. That's fine. But don't screw our kids up. Don't pay them twenty five grand a year. They're worth more than that. Absolutely. You know, like you know, and our and our veterans are a different topic. But you just took bullets for our country, and now you're living on the street because you have PTSD, and no one wants to look after you, and you got hooked on meth because you were dealing with your war issues. That should not be a thing. Anyway, that's my TED talk. <laughs> Step back down. No, like you're right. That could be a whole <laughs> other podcast. It, yeah. Yeah. It's just like, to me, I'm like, I don't understand. Uh, anyway. Well, I'm glad back you have to you. Um, good person. <laughs> well, it depends on the day, but thank you. I appreciate that. Get you an office um, down in Florida. Get that freaking crazy guy out there. Uh, I don't think they could handle me. <laughs> I, I, would, I would be too... New, like purple, like I'm just enough red and just enough blue. They couldn't handle me. Like they would be like, I'm the same way. Like, why girl? can't we just kind of have some like common sense? Like if this country is really free, just like, and we shouldn't go off on this tangent, but like if this country's free and like, I believe in God and I'm a Christian, but like, I don't believe a free country should be based off of any kind of religious or religious views. Like, I'm sorry, but still I'll probably, I don't know. I'll probably like get your like, podcast, I, like people like giving you shit reviews now because I said it, but that's I don't know. no, 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 that's your opinion. And I appreciate it. Like, yeah. That's what this whole podcast is about is everybody has a different opinion and I have my own opinion. Um, and it's very neutral. It is very, dare I say libertarian? Like, cause that's kind of what yeah, I there's am. There's nothing wrong I'm with like, that. Let's do it. All freedoms I'm all very, the time. If it was up to my son, they would just like we'd all be ruled by cats. Honestly, and cats. <laughs> I mean, they're so cuddly. <laughs> um, what insight do you wish you would have known before becoming a dad? I think this is such a good question, just for every parent. Like, what do you wish you would have known before Hendrick was here or Charlotte was around? Um. Again, that's kind of like a hard, a hard one because I, I took on parenting um, as like, I'm just going to be kind of go with the flow and be self-taught. I know I'm going to care for mm. these kids. I know I'm going to do a good job. I know I'm going to do everything in their best interest. So I don't know if there's, that's really hard to say. Whatever the answer is, is probably something that I don't know that I should know. You know what I mean? But like even my sister, who's like one of my best friends, like she gave me that big, thick book. I forget what it's called. You know, the A to Z to parenting. Right. It's the blue one, right? That just sat there. 
but she even said like someone gave this to me i'm gonna give it to you don't read it just do your own thing like that's probably the best advice i could get like take every everything with a grain of salt um mm. if you could say like what like like what kind of insight i could share to parents on this like of children on the spectrum like mm-hmm. i've got a list of it like for one like I said, we first kind of had an idea that at first someone was like, hey, your son might be on the autism spectrum was when he was 18 months. It took until January of this year to get a formal diagnosis. So my my oh, wow. first piece of advice would be get on wait lists. Get on as many wait lists as you can, even if you don't think you need them. Like I told you, we don't know if our daughter is going to develop autism or not she's on a wait list to be evaluated for it because we know that probably won't be until she's 18 months. So why wait until Mm -hmm. she's 18 months old to get her on that list? And now we're another six to 12 months out, like get on those wait lists, um, start talking to the early intervention just by going, Googling through your public school. It's, it's federally funded Mm. required that all public schools need to have early intervention from infants and toddlers, which is zero, one and two. And then, um, the other program that Henry's about to go into, which is like three and up. So get the early intervention. That all happens quick. The early intervention, you can get started within like a month. Like they'll go through the assessment process, the evaluation mm-hmm. rather, determine that you're eligible, and then they will start services. You can get OT, um, behavioral therapy. You can get PT. You can get speech therapy. All oh, wow. that's charged typically in your house. Um, in some school boards, some school systems, like when I was in Maryland with Anne Arundel County, we started doing that structured learning in a classroom environment, which is what he's going to be getting now at three. So get on the wait list, start your early intervention. Um, and then there's something called ABA, which is um, a th- therapy mm-hmm. for autism. You actually can't have ABA unless you're autistic. So find out if you suspect your kids on the spectrum, find out what businesses in your area do ABA and ask them for a list of psychiatrists that do diagnosis. Cause if you get on like a big list, like children's hospital or like in Maryland, you've got like Kennedy Krieger or Hopkins up in, up in PA or at Geisinger, you know, you're going to be waiting six to 12 mm-hmm. months and a lot of it could be out of pocket, which is very expensive. So like I went to a place called mission autism and I said, give me mm-hmm. a list of all the psychiatrists that can evaluate my son. I was on a time crunch. We just had a kid with Charlie, you know, she just last year, she, she was born. So we're blowing through all of our deductible money. And I wanted to find a psychiatrist mm-hmm. that is on our healthcare network and we had good health insurance. So I called around, I called every single Bye. one on the list and I found one that could get the diagnosis, at least the testing done by the end of last year, December. We started end of November, finished in December because it's a process. You don't just evaluate someone off of a one hour phone call. You know, it's a process and there's a lot of questionnaires, yeah. a lot of repetition in the questions. They ask the same question 10 times, you know, they want consistency, right. they want to run it through the algorithm. Um, so to find a mm-hmm. psychiatrist that takes your health insurance is huge. Um, I wish someone told me that earlier. Like, fortunately I found one on my own. Um, and we were getting those, um, what are EOBs, like explanation of benefits, whatever, yeah. from health insurance companies. And yeah. it was like 1250 exactly. like it just kept coming. Like I felt like every so single expensive. week there was like a new bill, but it was all you owe zero dollars, you know, because it was covered. So like that diagnosis probably would have cost us four or five thousand bucks, but it was completely covered because we used our entire deductible. 
and we found someone who could build a health insurance instead of billing us. So that's huge. Then mm -hmm. in some states like, like Pennsylvania, I had someone tell me this, and I'm really glad that they did, was that in PA, you can have Medicaid for certain Okay, ASD. So what's autism spectrum? The D is a disorder. Like medically, it is a disorder. Okay. So like if you have mm -hmm. certain disorders, you can be eligible for non-income driven Medicaid. It doesn't matter how much you make, mm. you can have Medicaid. And it's something I got the paperwork for. I actually threw everything else going on with the move. Like I never finished up the Medicaid, but we have great health insurance. Medicaid, if you can get Medicaid, will cover the co-pays. So if you are putting your kid in ABA therapy, which is five days a week for a few hours a day, mm -hmm. you can have daily co-pays of 20 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever your copay is, the Medicaid will pay those copays. So you've got your normal health insurance paying what they pay, and then the Medicaid can pay your, your copays. Like that's huge. You know, if 20 bucks a copay five days a week, that's a hundred bucks. Like that's a lot of money. So like look at mm -hmm. the, the income driven Medicaid, if that applies in your state. And then also through like support, like mom and dad Facebook groups, like I'm in two autism dad groups and it, it's nice. Like I definitely don't get out there and vent a lot. I we're friends, you know, so you don't, I'm sure you don't see me to begin with like on Facebook, just sharing a lot of personal stuff. I'm just a little more, mm -hmm. I guess like close up on that, but like this dad group it's like raw and real it's things you definitely can't say to anyone else and like you know it's just like real raw emotion whether it's relationship mm -hmm. issues having yes. problems with patience with your children and like i get a lot of um like a value of being in that group and just like not seeing people's struggles, but understanding how different people's outlooks on those struggles are and the positive outlooks and how people cope with that. So like definitely the mom and dad groups. And it's funny too, cause like I'll tell Shelby like, oh yeah, like this dad in this group was like complaining about that today actually. And she'll be like, man, I'm gonna join this dad group. Like I should just be in the dad group. Like the mom, mom <laughs> group's like so much more tame and they're so much more judgmental. So like, yeah, like- Ain't that the truth. It's like any- any mom group, Jesus, she was in like Annapolis moms and that was just like ridiculous, but I don't know, but who am I to I judge? I can't imagine. I, I just, just, there's just certain areas like, and I see it here in Florida too. You're just like, some, some of them are very like, wow, soul bearing and others. You're just like, why I'm even part of this. This is not helpful at all. You're all either just pretending or it's either like one side of the spectrum. Like nobody has it worse than I do or everything is like punk, you know, peachy keen. It's like, oh, come on, people. Like get over yeah, yourself. Yeah, for me, it's uh, <laughs> when someone know. like invalidates something where it's like every kid has needs. Yes. That that drives me nuts. Duh. <laughs> right. <laughs> like okay yeah so it's like my kid does have like he does have special needs like okay i get that your kid's a picky eater and maybe he'll only eat mcdonald's nuggets too but like did your kid refuse to eat because it wasn't on the blue plate that he needs to eat like luckily we're at the point where he can eat food off of like three or four different plates without just pushing it away and saying all done you know and like for me, I think people are like, oh, well, if he doesn't eat, he doesn't eat. Well, it's like, no, if he doesn't eat, he's going to have a meltdown because he's just, he can't self-regulate and he's grumpy. Yeah. He's hangry. Like, who doesn't get upset when they're hangry? Yeah, I know I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do too. 
my mom like my mom will like come home from tennis and my husband's like you're kind of like i need you to eat leave me alone (laughs) (laughs) stop yeah even if you tell him no he better start cooking something (laughs) jimmy is there anything else we've missed that we wanted that you wanted to share that we haven't covered one thing that you you did discuss in, in an email when we were like talking about different questions you were talking about like misconceptions of autism Mm, so like one thing that i do want to address is that like for one there's no such thing as low functioning and and high functioning autism okay like those are Mm. out-of-date terms even asperger's and out-of-date terms so like that can be really hurtful to say like low functioning someone's low functioning autistic or high functioning autistic because it puts a limit to their uh potential and i don't Mm -hmm. care if you're nonverbal or if you have mild autism, like your potential is mm-hmm. limitless and no one's to say like where mm-hmm. you will be. Um, so like just those terms is like one thing, like, so like what's acceptable and actually what it is now is there's three levels of autism. So there's level one, there's level two and there's level three. So level three mm-hmm. is what we think of like being the most severe requires like substantial support and really can't live independently. Um, really like what I hit on where you're just like inside your, your own world. Yeah. You can't really communicate. You just have great difficulties communicating, um, understanding what's going on, uh, changing of tasks and um, just being able to perform certain tasks. Like that's level three. Level two is kind of where we're at now, especially with like his, um, poor receptive communication skills and not being able to like mm. answer basic questions or being able to like Henry stop there's a car coming like being able to like understand stuff like that mm. like we're like I think level two right now where we can get down to level one so like level two is is um you know it still requires like substantial support but there's while there's social cha- challenges there's probably like less challenges with communications he can still function somewhat independently he still wants to brush his hair. He still wants to try to make his food, um, brush his teeth. There's room for intervention yeah, kind of thing for, but he, and like progress. Yeah, absolutely. But even with like level one, like it still requires support. So like if you think like your your son mm-hmm. is mildly or daughter or your child or even what you find out is like there's adults that are getting diagnosed and they're like, wow, okay, like that makes sense. It's becoming more and more common. So you see like level one autistic where like you just you have social challenges so like that's that's what I really want to point out because like when people and I don't really can't remember what I thought a year and a half ago but like when you think about the spectrum this is how I pictured the spectrum very linear um, yeah little autistic very autistic you know nonverbal quirky you know and like there the spectrum is not linear <clears throat> like go go on Google yeah. images and type in autism spectrum and you will see just like a beautiful oh. circle of like different gradient colors that kind of blend together it's just a giant like color wheel and you'll have like on the the this pie chart of um the spectrum you'll have you know sensory input so like where's my kid gonna fall Mm -hmm. sensory input does he have physical sensitivities does he have emotional sensitivities and the next part of the pie is communication communication isn't just language it's nonverbal communication like my god i know that more than mm-hmm. anyone because through all his speech therapy over the past year and a half we never work on words like we never work on speech it's all nonverbal communication 
in, in yeah. him, getting him to engage for a long period of time. So he has the IEP now. That's one of the goals. One of his three goals in this mm. IEP for age three is like being able to um, just inter, like engage for a period of five minutes, 50% of the time. Like that's one of the goals on his IEP to get there. Um, wow. You know, obviously neurological on the spectrum do you have someone who's who stems a lot like henry likes a lot of sensory input yeah so, like he loves jumping he loves to spin he used to rock and hit his hit his head back so you see a lot of like hand flapping or just like physical stimming or you might have verbal stimming where you hear someone repeating the same thing over and over and over again like with henry kind of does that he makes like cat noises and dog noises but that's also kind of how he plays and then there's other mm -hmm. things like spatial awareness routines transitioning can be a huge struggle and again that kind of mm -hmm. goes to like how we like just kind of plan like everything we do based around autism like i know my one buddy was like one of the first people i reached out to he has a daughter on the spectrum i never would have known just by seeing pictures and all but like she's a very sweet girl you know they take her to the aquarium when you go from like the sharks to the fish like she just wants to be with the sharks and like i know other kids might have meltdowns when it's like time to stop like it, it really is different and it's hard to explain but like major sensory sensory meltdowns major issues i mean geez we, we took henry to the zoo when he was like a year and a half he didn't see one animal like breathe there was an elephant right in front of him there were like giraffes like he didn't he was so distracted by everything else going on he had a great time he had a great day. He didn't see one animal. Like, no lie. There's like a lion oh, walking around in wow. front of him in front of him. Like, he didn't see one animal. And that's tough as a parent. I never get to see the lions. Just walking right in front of him. But, and he didn't, yeah. But I think, like, right now, if we took him back, like, he would be like, you know, tiger, penguin, elephant. Like, he would too. And especially if he saw uh, see it an animal that he didn't know and I told him what it was, he'd be saying it, like, all the time. So it's just like such an interesting thing, how the autistic mind works. And I really like, I, again, I'm like no expert because like I'm learning about my son every single day and like I'm learning more about autism yeah. every single day through him. And there's just so much that is like still a mystery. And if you interviewed like someone else from my dad group or you interviewed my wife, like you're definitely going to get a completely different perspective. And I just like also want to say like, I fully understand that like, our challenges are way different than others, especially people who are level mm. three. And I don't take that like for granted. I, I do feel really fortunate um, that like I, I have a, a son who's like has a range of emotion, who can smile, who, who can mm. laugh, who can joke, who's silly, who's con who has like just interests. You know, he's he's just this beautiful, bright little kid. And I'm like really fortunate for that. Well, I also think it's so important to highlight that, like, you're aware, you know, you're aware of his opportunities and that there, he can get better. Not that he needs to be like fixed or, you know, you know, cured by any means, but he can get through some difficult things about his diagnosis and have a full and prosperous mm -hmm. life. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's really important to highlight like there's so many parents like i'm gonna go back to what you said about like googling the spectrum because what we forget and what people don't know about the spectrum is things like add adhd ocd those are all spectrum disorders 
if you get down into it, those are all spectrum disorders. How many people do you know with ADD, ADHD, or OCD? I have OCD. But, like, nobody told us that 20, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, probably even five years ago. I think this is, like, all newer. So, I don't... I'm 30... I'll be 37 this year. So, like, whatever with me. But I think that it's so important as a parent, like... Oh, here's another thing I read the other day that kind of highlights this. It's like, oh, I did that with my kids and I turned out fine or they turned out fine or I gave my kids this and they turned out fine. I was like, well, just because you use, you know, Tropicana orange juice with all the sugar in it or just because you use like banana boat sunscreen with all the crap in it doesn't mean that we should continue doing it because you know what? Maybe we're not okay because of it. Maybe we are over anxious. Maybe we are overly depressed. Maybe we develop certain things because of these, the crap that we were, you know, told to tolerate as children. They're just, this is just me on my soapbox again. So I think it's so encouraging that our generation as parents is like, oh, hey, something's not right here. This doesn't feel right. This doesn't look right. This doesn't seem, you know, bell curve, you know, like even, even on the bell curve, again, I'm going back to this, even in that top nook, forget the outliers, even at that top nook of that bell curve, there is differentiation, there is diversity. So I think it's so encouraging that our generation as parents is like, no one looked at that bell curve at that top part and no one really gave a fuck about the outliers. That's our job to fix that. I think that is encouraging to say we see an opportunity to do better for our kids, whatever it is, whatever it is, whether it's goddamn orange juice that has too much sugar and additives, whether it's milk that has plastics floating in it, or whether it's banana boat freaking sunscreen that has so much chemicals in it that you might as well get sunburnt. Like that is encouraging to me. So the fact that you and your wife paid attention and you're like, let's see what we can do to... I don't want to say mainstream him because that's not fair, but to give him tools to be as successful as possible, I think that's a better way of looking at it because we don't want to change any neurodiversity, you know, unless it's really detrimental to the individual and they can, and they do need some kind of recovery. Okay, I get that. But you're just taking what he was born with and giving him tools to be successful, whatever that looks like, that is encouraging to me. Yeah. It's like changing the goddamn sunscreen. I don't buy banana boat sunscreen. I don't buy fucking Tropicana orange. Juice. I do kind of wonder. I don't give like, my kid. <laughs> I, I wonder about like, <laughs> like the, the plastics and the food additives and preservatives and all that crap. That's another podcast. Probably someone who's a lot smarter than me <laughs> to talk about that. But you, you obviously you want to like, start forwarding you all the the articles I read. <laughs> so like, what to say too you. is like <laughs> get a second opinion because like especially mm. and you were also talking about Absolutely. like how your I think it was your nephew who like didn't grow up with like yeah. a lot of people and he was speech delayed. Well, like Henry was a COVID kid. You know what I mean? He went through that whole COVID thing when he was like a totally. toddler. You know, not which I'm by function, I mean like nine months plus, right? Because let's face it, anything under nine months is really just like they, they're just yeah. like this little thing that constantly needs everything. But, um, totally. like, like, so a lot of these like assessments we were doing were like virtual, and like people were like, oh, I don't see it, you know what I mean? It's like, well, 
literally come yeah. over, grab him by the shoulders and try to ask him, like, are you having a good day or not? And like, he will be looking through you, around you, every which way, but in your eyes, because he's uncomfortable with the eye contact. Mm-hmm. So get a second opinion and don't bury your head in the sand either. No, I think that's totally viable. And I mean, it's, and it sounds so simple, but people, my husband gets on me because I, he's always like, you don't trust doctors anyway. I was like, no, I just feel like a doctor's only as good as their experience. You know, like what about the doctor who told me I couldn't have kids? What about the doctor who told me that like I needed to have a C-section? What about the doctor? That, what about, what about, what about, what about, what about, you know? So it's like, if people don't hear you or see you, then they don't care about what you're saying at all. And you need to find somebody, even in like the diagnoses, you need to find a doctor that believes in the care plan who, you know, specialists that are, who are encouraging and not like, oh, this is just how it is. Like, where's the optimism? Where's the opportunity for growth? We're all humans. We all have, even as adults, we have opportunity for growth. So if, if, People are trying to stifle a three-year-old already. Well, that's that's a red flag, in in my opinion. Like hands down across the board, if you can't see room for improvement or or an opportunity to grow, as a better way of putting it, then like that's not your doctor, in my opinion. That is not your specialist. That's not your physician. Because you, if you can't see the good, how can you encourage somebody to thrive? No, you have to you have to ask questions. You just can't take like you said, like at the end of the day, they're just people with jobs, you know, and they only yeah. kinda know what they know from experience and obviously continued education, but you just can't take one person's opinion. And like you said, if mm-hmm. you're not happy with your therapist and if you don't have a like a therapist for your your kid or even for yourself that like will um just like look out for your best interests and advocate for you like we've mm-hmm. had so many specialists that have worked with henry that i just like truly love because like you know after seeing them for short amounts of time they're like sad when it's his last day you know and like they advocate for him mm-hmm. to get into the best programs they can offer and they stick to their schedule and they're always there and they're not making excuses um you know those are people that really like stick out and they're some of the most important people in our life so you gotta no, have a good I love team. That. You do. It takes it takes a village, right? And sometimes that village just looks different than we anticipate. That's for sure. Hmm. Tibby, is there anything else? Did we miss anything? No. I feel like we got I some good stuff. Well, well, I'm the mom who knows nada. My name is Brianna. This is Jimmy. He was sharing sharing his perspective his spectrum of dad life actually thank you so much uh i wish you and your family all the best and i can't wait to catch up with you again soon um until next time everybody have fun learning all the things you didn't know you needed to know thanks for listening